0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas. And if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, how are you? It's January 4th. We hope you're doing well. We're doing well. We love you guys. We're glad that you're listening to us. On uh, this uh, Thursday. It's hey, Thursday. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Do you have any goals for the year? Uh, I do have some goals for the year, yeah. Any that are fun that, that you seven. might want to share? Like, oh, this would be kind of cool. I don't know if any of mine are super fun. Like read I your mean, Bible every day. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Run and, you know, 13 miles a day. Trying to exercise six days a week. and oh, wow, and get, six days. Yeah, trying to do that, yep. wow. yeah. Wow, what kind of exercise are you going to do? So we're, we're, P90X. i have been running for sure. a lot. Um, I enjoy running. I don't enjoy running. I was, was going to say run. you like running. <laughs> no, I don't. I, well, I here's what I don't mind about it. It's like a good 30, 45 minutes of just time where that I can listen to an audio book and just go. Yeah, and I don't like. I'm not distracted by my phone. I'm not distracted by my devices. I don't have anything else. I just go. You run outdoors though, right? I do. I don't like you the not- treadmill.
1: Are you not like oh, afraid that someone's going to run you over? Like there's not a lot no. of sidewalks here.
0: No, I'm on sidewalks though. It, over in Light Farms there's only oh, a okay. couple times that I cross the a, a, a street and at that point I'll I'll slow down and, and make sure that traffic's okay, not coming. Cool. So, but by and large I'm able to stay on, on sidewalks. All right. Yeah. So you're going to you're going to run every day or 6 days a week. Well, I you may, may try some lifting. You keep oh, telling me I need to start lifting heavy all things right, sometime. I might try that. You, you know, do that.
1: You guys yeah. have a gym at the Light Farms, right? Your community? We do. Have you checked it out yet?
0: I have. I've been there a few okay. times. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now we're, now we're cooking, man. Yeah.
0: I just don't like going, because I'm not like, I'm not a meathead. I know this is surprising, <laughs> but I'm not. What? And uh, and so I, I'm the guy that's like reading the directions on the machine before I sit that's down okay. on so. Yeah, hey,
1: man. Everyone starts somewhere.
0: In fact, I think you'll find most gym communities are really warm and welcoming. See, but I've heard the opposite. In that's, fact, I saw some memes it's th- not true. This, uh, this time of year that are talking about how, how mean people are at the gym what because nobody wants the newbies there i mean that's true that's true it, yeah. it, it, it
1: does hinder because it is a problem because i feel mixed i am mixed about that right you know, you're excited that people are coming on the other hand get off my machine
0: right that's it, <laughs> it, it it's like dude in a month you're not gonna be here that's well, my machine I, I hope that this is there. my time my machine it, go away it benefits yeah so it benefits you say away. you're like yeah you should listen no, totally people people are nice but if I you stick around
1: so. people will like you
0: i don't know man
1: it's just welcoming, man. They're the very tolerant culture. Maybe I, I can, I can guarantee you. In fact, when I went to California for that one day, yeah. I went to my old gym cause I missed it. And I went there and I was like, Oh, my friends and he's smiling at people and doing the finger guns. Like, ja, 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 ja. You know, it was, it was cool. It felt like I was right at home. Did you finger gun? No, okay. I mean in my in my heart I did. You did. You but were like, I was like yeah. did you do the bro knob? <laughs> like, hey, yeah, I did. So people are like, dude, we thought you, that you just gave up. I, it's true, it's true, man. I, and funny enough, I was like, okay, uh, how many people? Because we, I don't really talk to anybody. Yeah. Like, I'm there. I got a job to do. I'm, I spend 45 minutes and I'll, I don't go back to it. Right. To so my it's my like bank. ministry. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Just like ministry <laughs> Got a job to do and getting out of here No, man, it, was, it was cool We do the bro nods and, and everyone knows everybody Yeah But there's not a whole lot of talking Yeah not, not for the time that I go People aren't there to talk
0: They're there to get their stuff done And go do
1: their Do business. work Get swole
0: Yeah Right Yeah Hey, uh, January 4th We mentioned yesterday Was the day that, that Luther got excommunicated Speaking of working out Today's National Spaghetti Day All right. I like spaghetti, man. It's like one of my favorite meals. One of your favorites? Yeah. I think if I had to put like five meals together, don't ask me about the other four because I don't know yet. But if I had to put five meals that I would just rotate throughout the week, spaghetti would be on that list. Is that right? Yeah. Every week for the rest of my life. You know, my mom
1: makes the best spaghetti. I'll have her send you some.
0: Does she? Yeah. Yeah. I love them. I mean, I I don't know how that would travel, but um, maybe she'll come visit at some point. Uh, Not likely, but I'll I'll see if she can send the spaghetti. Okay. Well, Fair enough. (laughs) My favorite. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we are here to jump into Job. So if you're turning to Genesis, let's do it. That's the hard thing about these bookmarks, right? Because we're going to be flipping back and forth. It's, you, it used to be you could just throw them in and, and you well, know it was we the next will page. finish Job. We, we're going to start Job and we're going to finish Job. We, that's true. So you can be in Job for a little bit.
1: In yeah. fact, for the next three months, just about, with the, with the exception of a few Psalms, we're going to be in the books that we're in.
0: Yeah. I thought you were saying three months in Job. I was like, oh man, what did we do? Three months in Job. What did we do? We're going to do like one verse a day. All right, man, let's talk about this. People are dying to know the answers to all the questions. Poor K Job. Yeah. Why? Why Job? Why? Uh, Here's why. Uh, Up front cards on the table to use a phrase that Pastor Rod used in the last episode um, because he does like to uh, play the the slots and the the (laughs) gambling. He's got a shirt that has dice on it that I call his gambling shirt that he wears from time to time. Pastor PG has a shirt with a pina colada it's, and a little it is umbrella not, on it. It's a there's cup a, of water. There's a flamingo. It's a cup of water. <laughs> an umbrella on no, the cup. Nope. I call it his pina colada shirt. No.
1: If you like pina colas. This is wrong.
0: This is false. This is slander. <laughs> My shirt is open to interpretation. Oh, is it is a right? cup with water. I interpreted yours it accurately. Dice. I am an
1: expert interpreter, and I can tell you that's what yours means. Well,
0: you're wrong. Anyways, why Job? Here's why. Uh, we don't know. We don't know who Job Who wrote Job? We don't know when it took place per se. There are some internal clues uh, based on the context of the book. And I mentioned at the end of yesterday's episode that this was, we were about to launch into Abraham, the patriarchal period. That is. A big reason why we're putting Job, or the the editors of this plan, put Job uh, where they do, because so much of the setting of Job, when you look at the description of his family, you look at the description of his possessions, you look at the descriptions of his friends, you think about uh, what is mentioned, what's not mentioned, so much of it seems to fit in this patriarchal period. Did it happen prior to Abraham? Perhaps did it happen during Abraham's life? Perhaps was he a contemporary? It, it, it's all possible, but it's somewhere around this time seems to be the most likely uh, situation. So why then do our Bibles put Job all the way by Psalms and Proverbs and everything else? And the answer is because it's considered part of what we refer to as the wisdom literature. And so our Bibles in, in large part, not entirely, but in large part are organized by by uh, their genre, by the type of literature that they are. And so Job matches with the genre of the other wisdom literature. And so that's why the organizers of the Bible, as they were putting it together, decided to put Job there with those other books that fit the same genre, the same style, the same type. But time frame, we're dealing with a time frame that likely was around the same time as that of Abraham. And that's why we are going from the end of Genesis, or from the end of uh, Genesis chapter 9, 10, 11, the flood. Before we get to Abraham, we're taking a break. We're coming over to Job because this fits the general time frame of where we think Job took place.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. We don't know that timing, and we don't even know when it was written. I mean, the, the, the timing of the book, probably around the time of Abraham. When the book was written and compiled, that's that's up to our, right. our guesses as well.
0: Right. Yeah, that we don't know. And, and there's some some difficulties that would suggest even potentially that it was written at a latter date. In fact, uh, there are some allusions here that uh, seem to be pretty... Uh, Anachronistic. B- yeah. Like, for example, John... Uh, John, John? Job, <laughs> Job talks about John, John, the John, Gospel that's of John. crazy, whoa, uh, Job uh, 7, 17 through 18, what is man that you make so much of him, okay, that should sound familiar, if you're familiar with Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, written by King David, Yeah, if he's quoting or loosely alluding to that, then what is man that like you are mindful of, yeah. right, so it's possible for reasons like that, that it could have been written later, but it seems like the events took place during the patriarchal period. Which
1: means that we don't have we don't have a script here. We're not looking at a verbatim someone copying down exactly what they said. It's likely that whoever edited this and put it together was taking some liberties at putting the pieces together to make it fit his theological point, which in this case is to give you wisdom yeah. about
0: how God operates behind the scenes when we're dealing with suffering and tragedy. Yeah, and, and that is true. I, the other thing to bear in mind too is we are dealing with a, a, a very strong uh, tradition of oral. Uh, of oral dependency. So uh, meaning they didn't have pen and paper like we have pen and paper. And so people would pass down stories from generation to generation and the capacity for these people during this time to, to memorize large portions of text was far greater than it, what it is today. In fact, uh, it was not uncommon for a Jewish boy to memorize the entire Pentateuch. Uh, when you think about that, I mean, think about going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Memorizing the whole thing and being able to recall it uh, at will is, is pretty impressive. And so the oral tradition coupled with, yeah, some, some liberties there under the inspiration and guidance of the Spirit of God, we can have confidence that this is what God wanted us to have when it comes to the book of Job. But is it verbatim? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't know that we can press that that far dope. Yeah. Job chapter one, if you were with us last year, it feels like we were just talking about this beforehand that we we didn't, it wasn't long ago that we covered Job because we didn't cover the chronological plan. So we picked it up in in, uh, about the middle of the year last year and we went through it. And and so there's something that's familiar here, but Job chapter one and Job chapter two, I would say both fall under the the heading for me of not what you would expect uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've got Satan appearing before God. And I don't know about you, but I don't often think about Satan hanging out in the, uh, the divine council room and, and being before God. And, and that's what's depicted here. He appears before the sons of God. We talked about sons of God back in Genesis chapter 6 uh, having to do with angels. And so here again is another reference that I think supports Genesis 6 because this seems to be where God has called together the council of the angelic beings, Satan being one of them as a fallen angel is called to give an account before God and God asks him what he's been doing. Satan says, I've been roaming to and fro the implied uh, in, in unstated uh, reality. There's Job saying, or Satan saying, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who fears you and God introduces Job. And, and this is another thing we wouldn't expect, not just Satan to appear before God, but then we wouldn't expect God to take Job, a guy that's described multiple times in the book in the opening chapter Here is a man who's blameless and, and one who God even says there's no one like him in the whole earth and God puts him in the crosshairs of Satan. That is shocking as well. If we read this with fresh eyes and not eyes that have read this story multiple times, but we wouldn't expect that either. So this is a unique opening to the book for a, a handful of reasons.
1: Man, there's you're so right. Uh, I think this in my mind, it de-incentivizes my holiness. It's like, I don't want God throwing me out there. <laughs> I don't want God. Say, hey, Satan, have you seen Rod Gomez lately? <laughs> He's just crushing it, man. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good, God. Thank you. One of the things Satan says uh, in verse 11, or uh, well, yeah, verse 11, he says, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. He's been around for a, a minute. So the adversary, whoever he is, and it's not unlikely that it's actually the devil who we know is is telling God look you, you, you've blessed him you've taken care of him no wonder he's liking you no wonder he serves you and, and one of the things I, I came to the realization is affliction reveals our allegiance what we really depend upon who we really trust is going to be realized and understood after we suffer suffering is for better and for worse and no one no one, oh, by the way let, let's just say that nobody wants to suffer like we avoid right that. right but man it's got a place in our lives and, and one of the best arguments for suffering that I've heard is that God does things in our lives that he cannot do. And that's not him unable to, as though he's powerless. There's just, this is the way that he can best accomplish his purposes. He does things in our lives that he would never be able to do otherwise if it were not for the power of affliction and suffering. Not that I welcome it, but I do welcome the fact that God always wants to make us grow. And he's going to do that in all the ways that he sees fit. So when you pray that God would make you holy, recognize that you're opening the door for God to introduce things into your life that will likely, more than likely, cause you great pain because there is no growth without
0: some growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we've been reading through on Sunday morning Psalm 119. Together In this last Sunday, uh, we read about the, the psalmist, King David, talking about God's use of affliction in his life and how it helped drive him to the word. Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. In other words, he's saying, I was errant. I was sinful before I was afflicted, before God, your judgment came into my life that drove me to your word. And now I keep your word as a result. So yeah, it is a a common theme. It's a repeated theme, but you're right. Nobody, nobody signs up for this. Nobody wants this. And if we look at Job's losses here, we, we find them laid out for us in verses 13 through 19 of chapter one in uh, 13 through 15, he loses his servants, his oxen and his donkeys uh, verse 16, he loses his servants and his sheep. By the way, the fire from God there is uh, is most likely lightning. That was a way that it was often described as is, is lightning. Uh, then he loses his ser- servants and his camels in Job one seventeen, And and then the, the greatest, the pinnacle, the, the most tragic is when he loses his sons and his daughters in verses 18 through 19. So this is a, a horrific, uh, horrible uh, s- uh, season of affliction. And yet... Uh, The amazing statements of verses 20 through 22, that in all of this, Job did not sin or curse God, um, that he falls to the ground and he worships. And he makes that amazing statement, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Such an amazing faith that he has through this affliction.
1: One thing I want to point out here is that God allows Satan to use two types of evil to commit his his work. First one we have is natural evil. Actually, uh, let's talk about the moral evil. Verse 15, Sabaeans fell upon them. So there's a human agent committing evil against Job's family. And then you have natural evil, the lightning from heaven or whatever else it might have been if it wasn't that. Right. There's a natural component. It'd be like a, if we're in Texas here, which we are, tornado coming through our specific neighborhood and taking out our family. Right. There's natural evil and there's moral evil where it's done by human agents and, and God allows both of them here, which is important for us to see because God superintends both. Nothing is outside of God's power. He's able to control, he's able to direct, and he sovereignly ordains all things. The question is, of course, can he do this and should God be able to do this with any kind of justification? I think that's really the question of the Odyssey yeah how is God justified in doing and allowing what he allows
0: right and and that's that's the the thing we have to be careful of is not to charge God with moral wrongdoing even as uh job's wife eventually in in job chapter two looks at him he says, What are you doing holding fast to your integrity you know curse God and die and he responds to her in verse 10 Thanks, he babe says, he, yeah he love says, you. okay that's great <laughs> yeah he says you speak as one of the foolish women would speak, and then he says this shall we receive good from God and shall not we also receive Evil, evil from God. Uh, th- th- that's a, a difficult one. The, the word there in the Hebrew actually is a word that means uh, calamity or disaster. If you've got a, an NASB or a CSB, they translate it as adversity, um, which uh, is, I think, more in keeping with, with the perspective it, rather than saying that this is a moral evil, that this is a, a moral uh, wrongdoing on God's part to think about about it in that in those categories. But certainly this is calamity. It's disaster. It's adversity that does come from the hand of God. And Job understands. That's the other thing about the opening chapters of Job. God's sovereignty is undeniable in these chapters. Satan understands it. Job understands it. Uh, his wife, to a certain degree, understands it. When his friends enter the scene, which they do uh, at the end of, of chapter 2 there, they understand that this is all coming from God. Nope. Really, nobody is pointing the finger at Satan saying it's the devil's fault. Everybody throughout this whole thing is understanding God is sovereign over these events that are taking place in Job's life. Amen. Well, his comforters, uh, and that is in scare quotes, arrive in verses 11 through 13. and, uh, And Job opens the dialogue in chapter three and basically just questions, why am I here? Why did you bring me into this earth? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've just gone through a season of suffering so intense that you just sit there and you say, God, why did you even allow me to be born? And that's where Job is in Job chapter three. And this is a Maybe not comforting, but uh, it's a reminder of the the reality of Scripture that uh, that this is not a fairy tale book that we're reading. That that there are real life situations and difficulties and tragedies that happen here and. It's a, a book that is relatable uh, because when, uh, when you go through a season like that, where you sit there and you say, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I here? What, what is the purpose of my even being alive right now? Look, you can look at somebody like Job who went through the very same situation, uh, the very same thoughts, cursing the day that he was born. And so he is, is bemoaning that. And then his friends begin to speak in chapter four and uh, then chapter five. Uh, chapter 4 you've got the first one up Eliphaz uh and Eliphaz basically calls Job out and says it's your turn to practice what you preach in the opening first six verses of chapter four he says you've comforted others and now uh, y- you're acting like y- everyone else always acted when when you called them out and so now it's your turn job now you've got to swallow the the bitter medicine and 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 listen to your own words here and respond the way that you've encouraged other people to respond but then he goes beyond that and uh, and 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 maybe there's a little bit of of fairness there, although probably not the most tactful thing to say in the the wake of everything that Job has lost. But then he goes beyond that. And and this is where we begin to push too far in verses seven through nine, where he says, look, God punishes the guilty people, not the innocent people. Implication, Job, you've done something. Something's wrong. Uh, You've done something wrong. Again, the understanding that this is from God. God doesn't just bring this about on innocent people. He's speaking out of turn because he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't know that that's exactly what's happened, that God has said to Satan, hey, Satan, have you considered Job? You should go afflict Job. Um, And so Eliphaz is the first of of many, as we'll see, these friends that come along that try to comfort Job, but they do a miserable job of doing it. So as you're reading through this book here,
1: remember chapters one and two. That's all you have to do. As you're reading through the arguments that that Job's friends lay at his feet, all you have to do is remember, okay, chapters one and two told me God favors Job. God is pleased with Job. God recognizes Job is blameless and upright. Therefore, when you read through the rest of these chapters and the things that they say, you have to read it through the lens of, okay, I know that that's not true. Although what they say, sometimes they say very helpful. Well, oh, that's, that's an interesting yeah. way to put that. I, I I, I can understand why the lack of nuance is problematic and that's where one of my biggest lessons is I listen to Eliphaz and Bill Dad, and I mean these guys have helpful things to say the problem is that they presume upon God and they assume that if they can look at an event they can determine this is why the event happens right. they, they lack the ability to say I mean I don't know I don't know and ultimately God knows um and, and there's there's this un I don't know there's this brash way of approaching theology with brute force and not with the tender and delicate touch that it often requires.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so for you listening to this Christian, sometimes the the greatest presence that you can have in another suffering believers life is silence and, and just being there and uh, and loving them, encouraging them in, in prayer for them, praying with them. Um, even praying with them, God, we don't know why what is happening is happening, and and we don't presume to understand that. But we are, are praying for comfort, praying for a res- resolution to the suffering. Uh, is, that's sometimes the the best thing for us to do, rather than to swoop in with the the you know the, the Bible verse that is the band aid to fix everything. Uh, we we got to be careful not to to have the, the the same attitude that these friends have. But you're right; they they do. In fact, that was one of my notes too. LFS has a pretty robust theology, and what he says isn't necessarily wrong, but maybe wrong placed like verse eight. He says, as for me of chapter five, this is as for me, I would seek God and to God, I would commit my cause. That's, that's wise counsel, right? I mean, who would look at that and say, no, that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't seek God. You you shouldn't commit your ways to God. Um, but he goes on and and, uh, and he says, you know, verse 17, behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. There he's going too far. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Is that theologically accurate? Yes, it's theologically accurate. But is that what's fitting this situation in Job's life? No, it's that's not what's happening. And that's what Pastor Rod is saying, is they're pressing things too far without the knowledge to be able to do so. I think that's the point of one of the points of Job is that God's wisdom is inscrutable. Yeah
1: there is a degree to which we can exercise godlike wisdom by reading the wisdom literature by applying the scriptures themselves but there are things that we will never fully discern I mean, there's things that even today why is god allowing these certain people in government mm-hmm. why, why did god allow certain states to codify the destruction of the unborn right. that makes no sense to me right. uh, and if if i were if i were an ungodly man i would you know, raise my fist to God and say, God, why would you allow this? And Mm -hmm. don't you want to preserve the life? And we just read Genesis chapter nine and it says that life is sacred. Why would you do? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that God is just and his timetable is not my timetable. And if I'm wise, I I will hold my tongue and I will trust that he knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is so true and so helpful. Uh, we, we often get in trouble when we try to explain the ways of God that are beyond our ability to, to explain them. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's helpful. God is, is certainly bigger than we are and his ways are not our ways. So, uh, and that's easy to, to admit and confess when those ways are our ways of grace and mercy and kindness and favor and everything else. Where We're like, God, why would you do that? That's amazing that you would do that for us. It's harder to understand that and confess that when it's like, Oh man, I, I feel like I wouldn't have done that that way. And I I think that's the point. We're not God.
1: It's especially hard when you feel and, and this is Job's situation. When you feel justified in your complaint, yeah. it's like, I, God, I know this is the right thing. I, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything well, and, and in Job's case. But there's other times when we as Christians can say, God, it is such a right thing for me to want that guy to be judged or yeah. for, for me to want that neighbor, that friend, that family member to be saved. Why would you not answer this prayer right now? This makes all the sense. in the world. Would that not bring you glory? It's like, I mean, you're, you're bargaining with God. So God, why don't you do This is a good thing. I wanted this, this, and this for the new year, and you've done none of those things. Well, is God God or are you God? Yeah. Who gets to be God in this situation? And even if it's people that you love and trust, who are making decisions that you can't understand, that you, you can't fathom the, the direction of their lives, who's ultimately in charge? Yep. It is God. And Job teaches us, God is in charge. You're not. Let God be God.
0: You be man. Trust him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, uh, we are back in Job tomorrow. So put your bookmark there. Close your Bibles. Pick them back up tomorrow. We'll be right back here continuing with the book of Job. Uh, But thanks for joining in again with us today. And we will catch you again tomorrow. But uh, keep reading your Bibles. See you then. Bye.